are listening to the Next Level Learning Podcast, part of the Keystone Area Education Agency. Level Learning Podcast. I am Jared Borman with my co-host Bria Baxter. And we are here uh, with kind of a special edition of the Next Level Learning Podcast. We are actually off location in, uh, out of the northeast corner of the state, as we'd sort of say, from Keystone. And we are in Des Moines for the iTech Iowa Conference. And uh, it's been quite the experience. And actually, we're, we're broadcasting right now. We're recording and what is the podcast pavilion. So there's a special spot, and we aren't the first ones to record here. There have been others to record in this section, but um, for the most part, we have been able to get some learning in, and, and we wanna be able to reflect on some of that learning, because that's a big aspect of the conference is not just going to the conference and getting information and all of that, but almost that debrief, digest it, I don't know what you wanna call it, that reflection phase of just trying to figure out and, and, and reflect on it a bit. So. Um, I have not been able to attend a whole lot of sessions. I've been kind of running around a little bit, but Bria, you've been able to actually dig in and sit on some sessions, and I know you were telling me about some good ones, but let's focus on just day one, because this is a two-day conference. Yes. So let's focus on day one first of learning, and then uh, we'll take a quick little commercial break, and then we'll go into day two learning. So where do you want to start with the day one stuff? Sounds great. I'll start off with my very first session that I attended. So it was called Students Creating a Positive Online Presence in More Ways Than One. And what they really focused on is having the student portfolio. So as opposed to having it be um, just a grade on a transcript, they had something to actually show after they graduated from high school. Hmm. And they also had this class, which I think is very innovative because they can earn a credit for keeping up with the school's website and promoting the school through Twitter, Instagram, and they post, so they sign a contract, because I know that can sometimes be an issue too, but they sign a contract that they will only post appropriate things, and um, the teacher, I can't remember what year she was in, but she's been doing this several years now and has never had an issue. Wow. So kids are actually getting credit for practicing good digital citizenship skills. Yes. Is that, I mean, is that what the basis is? It is. And what better way than to actually put them in that driver's seat? It's so applicable because they're actually in that role. They have to use good digital citizenship and it's so much more valuable than a teacher just preaching to them. Oh yeah. And we've, in our role as instructional coaches, um, technology integration coaches, we've ran into that. I mean, we've done those kind of sessions where we sit in front of a group of students and, mm-hmm. and preach to them, is that the right word? Or um, mm-hmm. try to get that word out there about digital citizenship, but having, and this isn't their own accounts, right? This is the school's social media feeds that is the main mode of communication to the rest of the community. It is, yeah. So right now they're using a Wix site, and they said that that can sometimes be 
um, difficult because we work with Wix sites yep. too. Yep. And so one person can be editing at a time. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of communication there back and forth of who is actually on the site editing just so they don't lose their work. But another thing that I really liked about it is that they are running that class like a business. So yeah. each person has a job and they have an assistant. And of course, as any work environment, you can pull people who aren't necessarily on that committee, but it just helps organize and just helps them in their post-secondary lives. Oh, and, and granted, yes, we, I mean, maybe, that, maybe that's where we've gone wrong with this digital citizen stuff is that we focus too much on their own current usage of social media versus giving them another, uh, not really account, but another platform or another, uh, another, I don't know, bank of information to be able to work with. So maybe that will then, those habits formed there will spill over into their personal social media accounts. Is that kind of the goal is what I'm hearing? Yes, absolutely. And so the big focus is to on the 21st century skills. Mm. And it was, it was neat because they had a student who had been in the class and is now at Upper Iowa, or not Upper Iowa, um, the University of Another university in Iowa. Yes. Yep. yep. I can't remember the specific one right now. And then they also had two that are in the class currently. And they said, especially the one who's in college now, he did not realize the skills that he was doing. He was just having fun. Yeah, you know, sure. they get to build this website from scratch. They get to determine what is on it. And of course it is things that would appeal to their student body mm -hmm. so they even have a picture and you have to guess you can submit online where you think the picture is taken from oh. so close up to objects so it, yeah it's not just like it doesn't sound like it's just professional they're having fun with it they're having a lot of fun okay. yes but he just said he didn't realize until he got to college how valuable that class truly was yeah I bet and and at the college level we hear those stories of students losing scholarships or whatever it may be because of their inappropriate use of social media. So this, I mean, this sounds fantastic to get students to, pro I would imagine if I am, okay, I'm putting myself in the shoes of the students here for a second, mm -hmm. and I am trying to think of, I am representing the school. I am trying to come up with more ways for marketing and promoting and do so responsibly obviously they're they're reaching those upper levels of blooms very easily in that creating level and then also evaluating like is that something that should be posted or not posted or uh, what kind of audience would that reach or not reach and would it reach them in a, an effective way or an appropriate way and I mean those are all questions that are just racing through my head that would help me to think more deeply about just digital citizenship so that's that sounds amazing yeah, I would say that a majority of the class is certainly reaching the higher level thinking. That's awesome. Other good sessions for day one? Yeah, so that was the first one I attended. And so this conference is different than the one that we host, KPEC, because at KPEC we have our keynote right away. Yeah. Well, this one we have our first breakout session and then our keynote. And so we were fortunate enough to have Buddy Barry here. Mm -hmm. And he is with what district? Uh, the Eminence School District in Kentucky, and he is all about his uh, School on Fire acronym. So the F I R E, and he went he, and I was he was on fire. Oh I mean, my gosh! I had the opportunity to sit and listen to him um, pretty up close, and uh, 
man, he was he was really passionate about what he does. And he's only been in his role as a superintendent for I'm I'm almost positive less than ten years. So yes. and he's just seen huge gains with his district. But what did you take away from the keynote? Oh, his energy was just contagious. Mm-hmm. Um, but he wasn't afraid to try new things. So even though he actually went to that school himself yeah. and yep. his kids go there and he's back at home, he wasn't afraid to try new things and um, be afraid to take risks. And because of that, he has experienced tremendous growth with his students. And that common theme of taking risks is a common theme that we hear throughout all of our interviews that we do with all of our uh, educators that we have on the podcast. And so this is an example of a superintendent who takes on that same kind of mindset and has seen such exponential growth with just the, not necessarily student achievement, which he has seen. I mean, his graduate, he was in a very, very, very uh, uh, poverty stricken area of Kentucky and they were like, I wanna say single digit graduation rate and since then it has grown into the 90s so um he's really doing some amazing things but it's that one mindset mm-hmm. is it really really boils down to that so whether you're a classroom teacher a superintendent a principal whatever it may be that plays a huge role in pushing anything forward yeah and what i thought was neat too this kind of connects to our previous podcast but he talked about passion projects mm-hmm. which are very similar to genius hour that michelle talked about and he said that he started off with, I can't remember if it was a half day or a full day of having students come in and they can work on anything that they're interested mm-hmm. in. And during that time, there used to have about 40 kids, I believe, that went or went to the nurse's office yep. because they didn't feel good. Yep. And they had no one that went to the nurse's office yeah. from not feeling good that day. Of course, that's not counting people who had to take medication, but also even the absences. Yes. No students were absent. So it just showed how effective that can be, how motivating, and just the skills that those students were coming away with. I mean, they're being creative, innovative, problem-solving. Again, all those themes that we've heard before, he is pushing that with his staff, with his students, with everything, and... Um, actually, I'll be honest with you, when I was listening to his keynote, I was really kind of paying attention for cognitive engagement. Mm-hmm. Like, are they really just trying to make this super fun environment, or are they really trying to tackle um, the issue of students constantly thinking in the lower levels of Bloom's taxonomy on a regular basis? Mm-hmm. And a lot of the examples he gave weren't just, let's make worksheets more fun. It was, no, let's go beyond that let's give real examples, let's get more hands-on, let's push kids into analyzing, evaluating, and creating more. And it's proof in the pudding. I mean, you can't argue with it. When you have cognitive engagement as the continual focus, Uh you will reap the benefits and see some of those benefits of, as you mentioned, with the absentees and the the, uh, excuse to the nurse's uh, room and all that other stuff. So... It's, it's, that's a perfect case in point, buddy. We're mm-hmm. all in one nutshell of a yeah. whole district doing it. Yep, that's absolutely. That's really cool. Yeah, and just encouraging his teachers, too, to think outside the box. And so then they said, oh, we should really do this twice a year. And the mm-hmm. teachers wanted to do this more. But he said, hey, we'll keep it at 
the one time a year that we currently have it, but just try to infuse some of those principles into your own teaching. And that's huge because sometimes, and we've talked about this in the podcast before, we get so focused in on the standards, yes. but we can meet those standards in innovative ways too. Absolutely. And getting students into those higher order thinking. So then after Buddy's keynote, you were probably already pretty uh, jacked up and excited and ready to go off to the next session. So what else did you able to uh, dip your toe into? Yeah, so then I stayed with Buddy actually. So I was so impressed with him from the keynote. He had one more session after that. And one thing that I thought was so crucial that he talked about, and I can't recall if this was in the keynote or if it was in the session afterwards, but he was talking about how Google is changing the world mm-hmm. and how we no longer have to teach those fact-based things anymore. Instead, it's more important for them to learn how to communicate, problem solve, adapt. And his point was perfect when he talked about his sixth grader. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she decided that she wanted to enter. Remember, they're from Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. And it was a country ham contest. And so she entered that but didn't have any previous experience, learned everything from YouTube, and she ended up winning. Yeah, that was crazy. She was against kids that they were like second, third generation Mm -hmm. um, into this contest. So that's pretty amazing, but just a perfect point of having us step back. What are we teaching and why? Yeah, and I gave the example last time with my own kids of how I always try to, whenever my kids ask me a question, is that something you can ask Alexa? Is that something Uh you can ask Google? If so, go do it. I want to promote them doing that and having them understand that they have the tools now to empower themselves as learners. If they have deeper questions, then I'm there to help them think through those deeper questions or go find more information to help answer that deeper question. Uh But yeah, it's a perfect case in point of how the internet as a whole has really made that next big shift in education for us. Yeah, it absolutely has. And I guess that kind of leads me into the last big one that I contend or that I attended yesterday and that was the Contagious Culture of Greatness and that one was from Nick Proud of Iowa City. He is a principal there in the elementary level and he also was talking about his maker days that they have as well Um, and it's rooted in those same philosophies and getting students um, experience with those 21st century skills but he also was talking about how he supports his teachers so when we're getting evaluated as a teacher a lot of times we want it to be this perfect lesson right (laughs) and he actually talks about how he encourages his teachers to try something new. I want to see that. And then they can have that coaching conversation afterwards. He can give them feedback on, okay, have you thought of this? Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was such a great way for him to encourage that in his staff. And it sounds like he is in classrooms a lot. Yeah. And it, I mean, that sounds more like he's playing the role of an instructional coach than mm-hmm. an evaluative principal that we would most likely kind of see. So coaching conversations, encouragement of that innovation in STEM, and this is all these examples given so far are just perfect examples. And the conference is really nice that we get all these different examples. But again, what is the main goal of all of them? To move students into upper levels of thinking more frequently. Mm -hmm. That's really what we're striving for here. 
Absolutely. And one motto, too, that he said that just really struck me was make average feel awkward. So oh. we reflected on that. And um, so he had that up on his presentation and then we discussed it. Uh-huh. And so my group was talking about how, well, average is what you're used to seeing. So let's make average awkward. Let's do something so innovative in, let's say, the third grade classroom that that one teacher who is just going about business as usual, oh. then that teacher now feels awkward yeah. and motivated intrinsically mm-hmm. to change practice. So almost making people who are... Uh, complacent and comfortable with their instruction feel uncomfortable is really what it said okay good no I like that that's a that's a great phrasing for it yeah it is and it's just he does a lot of teacher share out too and so yeah that's perfect yeah absolutely sharing within with a staff is so important and giving them the proper time and format to share um, is also very, very important because then they, that's where the collaboration happens. That's where the thinking happens. That's where the deeper reflection happens, in all honesty. Right. And if we want our students to think in those higher levels, we need our teachers doing the same. And what better way than that share out and then having those teachers hopefully naturally reflecting on how can I change up my classroom so students can reach those higher levels of thinking? Absolutely. So is there anything else from day one, or is that the conclusion of day one? I think that is the conclusion. All right. Well, day one sounded like it was an exhausting day. <laughs> exhausting yet phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I I know you take copious amounts of notes, and so <laughs> I can't imagine you know making sure you get everything down so you can go back and look over it later. But uh, so what we'll do is we'll cut to a commercial break here, and when we come back, we will hear more from day two and see if it was just as fulfilling for you and see if the learning was also there on day two. Did you know Keystone AEA partners with 23 public and 27 non-public school districts? This means 33,000 students and 4,500 teachers, administrators, counselors, teacher librarians, and paraeducators are supported. Did you know Keystone AEA's Media Library offers more than 140,000 educational materials for teachers, students, and parents in a variety of formats? This includes books, DVDs, magazines, and hands-on kits. Keystone provides twice-a-week van delivery, taking about 11,500 items a week to area school districts. Materials can even be ordered online 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. For more information, visit our Keystone AEA website at www.aea1.k12.ia.us for more information about our programs and services. Welcome back to the Next Level Learning Podcast. I'm Bria Baxter, along with my co-host, Jared Borman. And so, Jared, you were talking about how you haven't been able to attend many sessions this year at iTech. 
So can you tell the audience a little bit how your role has shifted? So this year, well last year, I applied to be on the iTech board and it's a voting process and so I was uh, lucky enough to get voted in by uh, participants at iTech because everybody at iTech who attends has the ability to vote. So I was appreciative of that. And then in the year that I've had on the board, I've just learned so much. I've got a chance to work with a, another group of people who are just as passionate about education and educational technology as I am. And it's been a lot of fun, but it's also been very exhausting these last two days, three days actually. So um, I've been doing more running around, getting some footage, uh, making sure that the participants are having their needs met and, and all of that. So I haven't had a chance to actually sit in on a session and just be a learner. I'm more worried about making sure that things are operating the way they need to so that way everybody else can be learners or presenters and so forth. But that's, you know, that's, I, I would love to sit on sessions, but I also have my duties as a board member, but I'm just lucky enough that you taking an incredibly amount, a good amount of notes um, allows me to learn from you. So this whole episode is all about tell me what you've been learning so we can talk about it, think about it. Maybe I can take something away from it as well. So uh, day two, that's kind of started off what we were talking about before the uh, commercial break. What does day two start off as for you? Oh, day two was awesome as well. Um, so the first session that I attended this morning was a makerspace. So an art teacher and a science teacher were approached by their administrator to um, start a class that is a makerspace. Hmm. And so they have this class for middle school students. Right now it's um, sixth grade. Everyone in sixth grade is able to take it and then um, some eighth graders. But they're working on expanding that so more students get the opportunity. And so I guess I just appreciated their willingness to put themselves out there take a risk and so they had no curriculum to go by oh. they did not have a big budget so they actually ended up getting most of their resources just from a post on facebook oh wow so one of the um, teachers this was actually the science teacher said that he put a post out there and um, it was just incredible the amount of support that he got from his community Wow. and people that knew someone who knew someone. And so um, he said they got most of their materials from that. Of course, they had to purchase some things. And what they actually brought that was kind of interesting is a cardboard cutter. But hmm. they said, and we got to try it out, and I know it sounds silly, but it worked so well. And kids were even asking for cardboard cutters for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> For, like as a stocking stuffer, I would imagine, right? Yes. Huh. So when you talk about a cardboard cutter, I'm thinking like a box cutter. That sounds kind of dangerous. That's not what this is? No, it isn't. So actually, um, the cardboard goes in between um, two metal pieces on this cardboard cutter, and you press a button, and it, there is a blade in there that moves, but it oh, is okay. all um, secure. So. It's safe for the students to use. Good. All right. I was like, are they just giving their kids a bunch of box right. cutters? <laughs> that sounds a little dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. But, okay, so we're looking at that. They said once they started this class, there were students who came in in the mornings just because they wanted to work more on their project. And if they're asking for a cardboard cutter for Christmas, yeah. they're also working on it at home, too. 
That's awesome. That and, and they turn that STEM stuff into a whole class, right? Yes. So was this mentioned in the session? Because we get this question a lot from educators who say, I want to do more of that, but how do I assess that? How do I tie that into standards, as we mentioned already? So did they get into that at all? They did. So that course, of course, they valued risk-taking. Mm -hmm. And they wanted students to, when they failed, to learn from their mistakes. So that growth mindset. So they said that they went to their principal and just said, how can I grade this? And so after talking about it, they actually decided to have it be a non-graded class. Oh. So more so, I would say, as an exploratory type. Okay. And remember, this is at the middle school level. Yep, yep. So. I can see that. But they said just the students weren't as stressed out. That was the class that they could go to. They had fun, and they didn't have to worry about the grade mm -hmm. or when is this due. Of course, they tried to push them along and coach them through finishing their projects, such as that cardboard challenge. Um, they also did uh, obstacle courses with spheros mm -hmm. and then chariot races with spheros. They did some work with stop motion animation, green screen. So they would always pose some sort of challenge for the students to complete. But when students are thinking at those higher levels, they also came up with ideas. Hey, can we try this? Mm -hmm. And so that was pretty neat too. They were just blown away and they showed so many videos and just the excitement of the students was amazing. It makes me want to get in the classroom yeah. and <laughs> do a makerspace. Or just throw, like, drop a, a bunch of boxes and box cutters and say, let's make something. Yeah. Yes. Like a pinball machine was created with the cardboard. Oh my gosh. It was just phenomenal. The amount of creativity. And so that kind of leads into, and I'm, I'm, creating a transition here are you, you you noticing that yeah, yeah. that leads into the the keynote speaker from day two um dean and i'm not quite sure how to pronounce his last name do you know it's shariski yeah and so um he talked a lot about that as far as the need for play the need for joy the need for having kids be kids and um the the benefits to just random play and mm -hmm. um unstructured play and it doesn't necessarily have to include a jungle gym. It could be exactly what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Boxes and box cutters mm -hmm. and other materials. And thinking immediately, you're already thinking in the upper levels throughout that entire process. So um, that was his big message today, but I'll let you give your reflection on that. Well, let me get out my notes here, Jared. <laughs> Just so you know, Jared is one that can sit there and listen, and he's taking everything in, not taking any notes, and I am the complete opposite. I'm processing, but I have to be typing or writing. And there's too. nothing wrong <laughs> with that, right? There's, we're, yeah. We all learn in our own ways. Yeah, just our differences. Yeah, so um, that's kind of the main message that I got out of it too today is let kids be kids. But then he also went into the effect that teachers have on their students oh yeah yep and so he talked about what is your unfair advantage and so right away when that was posed it got me thinking what is he talking about but what strength do I have as a person an individual that sets me apart from my co-workers or mm -hmm. everyone else so something that 
can benefit the students. Yeah, and the, the example, at least the pictures that I remember, are of this uh, particular educator that has like hundreds of pairs of these crazy wacky pants. Yes. And he wears a different pair every day and the kids love it. The, the kids just are drawn to that and that may, in all honesty, to the uh, non-educator, that may just look gimmicky. Like yeah. all you're doing is just trying to draw attention to yourself. But in all honesty, as I can see this as an educator role, is you're basically giving permission to the students to also be goofy. Mm -hmm. That's how I see it. I don't see it as, I'm gonna wear goofy pants so I get more attention. I wanna wear goofy pants so the other kids realize it's okay to be goofy, even as an adult. Right. And you're innately giving them permission to kind of do the same. So, and if that's, if that's your gimmick, the teacher that makes kids feel it's okay to be goofy and playful and joyful, then, then use it. Use it to your advantage. Absolutely. Anything else from his keynote that you kind of took away? I know he had, he presented so many stats. I mean, okay, mm -hmm. I didn't write down notes, but <laughs> I did take pictures of certain slides because I was like, ooh, I, I want to be able to look at that data again because he showed some really good charts and statistics of studies that he's looked at that really relate to, you know, teachers that promote play in the classroom or um, teachers that we remember because they, they made us feel like it's okay to be goofy and, and those sort of things. And this, the statistics were really uh, convincing. And so was there anything else from the, the presentation that you took away from it? Yeah, I guess another thing that he talked about is let students spend time on their strengths. Mm -hmm. So too often, and I know there's a time and there's a place to, if students aren't good at something, of course, then we put them in interventions. and. Mm -hmm. um, but it's so important for us not to only focus on what they need to develop their skills in, but to also give them that opportunity to develop their strengths. Right. Because we think of when they get older, that's what they're going to spend time doing mm -hmm. is their strengths. And so I guess it kind of just brings that whole picture for me because I'm thinking of even the maker spaces, the passion project, genius hour, that gives them that outlet that opportunity in school time to enhance what they're already interested in yeah and I think that's so important as well um, and then after the keynote what kind of did you go to any other sessions yeah so the one that I went to was a go open session okay. and so it was on open educational resources and there were so many that were shared and there was a Cedar Rapids middle school instructional coach there and also uh, Lewis Central which is Council Bluffs they mm -hmm. were focusing on taking one of their textbooks away and supplementing it I shouldn't say supplementing replacing it mm. with um, some open educational resources okay so this is this is actually something I am not very familiar with so for the uh, person who knows zero about open uh, go open or the resources available can you give a quick overview about that yeah so you're able to it's different than free resources that you find as a teacher just looking online because these ones you can um, reuse but you can modify them you can make them your own so you don't have to keep them in their entirety okay all right so that's the main reason why they were replacing a whole textbook because a textbook is like it's all it's in its entirety and they're thinking it's static 
inflexible, right? Let's push it to the side. Let's now build something from the Go Open resources. Am I hearing that right? Yeah, and so that what they really encouraged is right away to start with a curriculum that you can use. And um, think first year teacher, um, even when you get a new curriculum, it's so overwhelming. But just kind of, it might take you a couple of years, but just figure out, okay, this worked well. I want to keep this. But, okay, this activity needs to be, or this skill needs to be supplemented. Mm -hmm. And then you can pull from other resources. But they were just talking about the amount of money that is saved within a district. So they can take that money and use it on technology or teachers, get them to, um, even within a day, collaborate. So Mm -hmm. hire subs. So just repurposing that money that was going into a curriculum that is probably dated pretty fast. These are all resources (laughs) that are kept up to date. So there are resources out there if you want full curriculum. Um, But also they shared just even activities. So if you want to target a specific standard, then you can just pull that in without having to do a complete curriculum. So those teachers, in order to be a part of the Go Open movement with the Department of Education, you have to replace one of your textbooks with this, with some sort of open educational resource. But you can also just pull in what you want to, even if you're teaching mainly out of your textbook, but just know that there's other resources available. Okay. Well, that sounds like a really cool tool that I need to look more into. And um I'm trying to think of other benefits, like you mentioned the financial benefit, you mentioned the flexibility, the fact that it's constantly updated and kept up to date. Um, what, what, I'm just trying to think, what else would be another benefit or, or do all those benefits sort of um, want, does that attract enough people versus say an educator who, who's already doing away with their textbook but is just kind of going out there more on the Google aspect and pulling in resources there and figuring out how to put it together? Is it kind of the same? Is is Go Open more closed? I mean, is there any other drawback or benefit to uh, using Go Open versus just me Googling, I guess? Right. Well, I would say, especially if you're going to go the route of the replacing a whole curriculum. Okay. um, These are written by experts. Oh, in the field, okay. especially the curriculum. I'm just thinking what, of you the... you mean not everybody on Google is an expert? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jared. <laughs> um, I'm thinking of illustrative mathematics. So the writers of the core write, or they wrote or developed that curriculum. Right now it's only available for middle school, um, but they are going to expand it into high school next. So it's almost like Wikipedia. You know, like anybody can update it and keep it up to date, but in this case, it's trusted. It's trusted professional people that's keeping it up to date and developing it. Is am I, am I hearing that right? Is the main difference depending on your resource? Okay, all right. So there's still open education sites where you or I could develop something and throw it on there. Oh, okay. And so then anyone is free to use it, and we um, would have to use our critical teacher eye. To, is it truly meeting that standard and at the depth that they maybe say? Okay. Yeah. So it's um, it just depends on there are so many open licensed resources out there mm-hmm. that it depends on where you are pulling from. Okay. 
That makes sense. But I guess one thing, too, I want to mention, there are foundations that are buying some of the content, and they're releasing it as an open educational resource. Really? So then that is that has that quality there. Yes. Then. Okay. Good. Well, I just got schooled on something that I didn't know before, and I feel better equipped it, but I obviously got to dig more into it myself in order to gain a better understanding. Yeah, and I'm at the very basic level too, Jared. I'll be <laughs> learning right alongside with you, but anything created with federal dollars has to be an OER too. Cool. All so, right. Yeah, great option for school districts and even individual teachers who are open to either supplementing or replacing their current curriculums. Uh-huh. Anything else for day two? Um, I think that that it it wraps it up. I'm going to ask you, I'll just ask you a question that's not related to day one or day two, but just iTech in general. What, what's your favorite part of attending iTech? Because this is not your first time attending iTech. Right. Uh, Did you attend, like other than an AA consultant, did you attend as a classroom teacher? I did not. So last year was my first time attending iTech, but I absolutely love the learning. I feel like there's always a variety of sessions to attend and they can meet anyone's um, need or whatever they're wanting to um, further develop their skills in. And so I guess in my lens, I always look at it as to how can I bring this back to our agency and share the learning with the teachers and the districts that I'm working with. So I've, I've attended the conference as a teacher and now as a consultant. And I will say that, you know, as a teacher, I was in that mode of exactly what you're kind of saying, what can I take back to my school? Um, but also I found that I was starting to just talk to some some people that were uh, really passionate about certain things that I didn't know that I would end up being passionate about, so I was able to connect with them. And that has just continued on into um, the last couple of years as a consultant where I get to see them again and catch up again and stay, even though we're staying connected on Twitter and stuff like that, but being able to catch up with them and talk more about, oh, so last time I last time we chatted, you were working on this. Like, how's that going? And and I can learn from them a little bit more. So the sessions are great. There's a lot of good sessions, a good variety of sessions, but sometimes those conversations in between the sessions or outside the sessions is where I, I personally um, love it because I get to do some even deeper thinking and learning. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. It's neat looking around the room and recognizing some people that you only knew on Twitter and they're yeah. right in front of you. So that is pretty neat to develop those connections as well. Yeah, to see them in three-dimensional form versus just a a little uh, profile picture. That's kind of fun to see, too. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us and listening to our learning and reflections from iTech here in Des Moines. If you would like to actually recommend or suggest an educator that we could interview on the podcast, we try to do that on every single episode. This has been a special case. Um, But if you want to go ahead and send a proposal or or recommend someone, we do have that form on our website along with all of our podcasts. And our website is bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash N-L-L podcast. We will see you next time. The Keystone AEA proudly supports the Next Level Learning Podcast.